Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. This week, we're talking everything from tree shopping, our annual March sadness, and <laughs> podcasting budgets, all of which somehow bring us to resurrection. Who knew? Conversations are surprising journeys. I know, and my 40-year obsession with jacarandas and their purple carpet fit for a king does seem like a beautiful nod to the Holy Week coming ahead. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. Christy, last night Peter said a sentence to me that would have sounded much more appropriate coming out of your mouth. He said this to me. He said, Okay, when you have a chance, I'm logged in now, and you'll see I've put quite a lot of trees in our cart. You can come and check them out. (laughs) (laughs) Trees in an online shopping cart. Yes, that is more my reality than yours. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a strange moment for me, and I weirdly felt like some kind of tree or gardening (laughs) grown-up that I was shopping for trees online. Which none of that is normal because trees are expensive, plants are expensive, but Peter and Micah have been out in the yard doing beginning the horrendous cleanup from all the leaves that still remain from the fall. Everything looks dead outside and it is definitely at that stage that I like to fondly call would be uncomfortable to have guests over right now (laughs) if they saw the state of our yard. And I did a little, almost like a, like I sat down to podcast with you here in my office and I did a kind of what I always do. I, you know, I set up the computer and then I look over to my right where I have the windows. And my first thought was, oh, it's so bleak out there. No, it's the hardest (laughs) time of year. It is. It's that almost spring. So winter is fading, but nothing looks green yet. The trees are bare. Um, everything's so brown and today the sky is also gray so it's just kind of the worst and it really hit me as I looked over there because yesterday I was outside and it was warm and the sky was blue and that Mm -hmm. makes all the difference but today oh no it's that brown brown March well not March madness March sadness (laughs) (laughs) yesterday was definitely it made me laugh because we were outside at a lacrosse game and The weather was, for a short period of time, sunny and a little warmish because the sun was out. And during that time, I noticed the grass the boys were playing on is that dead yellow winter grass. But here, when you can see that grass and when the sky is blue and it's a little warm, it's a sign that spring is coming. But I I leaned over to Peter and I said, wow, it's totally South Africa winter vibes right now, isn't it? Because Uh, that is like peak South African winter. (laughs) The only way you really know is the grass is yellow, but it's still like blue skies and around 65, you know? (laughs) (laughs) South Uh, Africa in the winter. In America, it's uh, March sadness around here. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I do have one tree, though. I can't see it from my window. Um... Uh, I don't know. This is maybe some more March sadness, except it's been keeping me company this spring. I have a cherry tree that is a variety I planted because it is the first to bloom. So I remember years back, I would drive around this time of year when everything is so bleak, and I would notice that some people had happy little pink blooming cherry trees in their yard before anything else looked alive. 
So I purposely sought out that kind of tree. I'm now forgetting what kind of cherry tree. Maybe we'll figure that out and put it in the the link. But, you know, if you live where cherry trees grow, then you know it's the very first. It's pink. So I planted one, and I can see it from my bedroom window. And it has been blooming for weeks. I think even before it felt remotely like spring, that little cherry tree was going, and it still looks so beautiful. Sadly, because we're making all these changes here, it is now in the way of other things. And um, I think maybe we have to take it out, but I'm going to have to come to grips with that because it's so sad. But anyhow, cherry trees, they, you know, they are that little hopeful sign of things to come before anything else has come to life. So maybe because we were tree shopping, I will find another cherry tree and a better place to put it. I know you're <laughs> making me think a cherry tree. I should tell Peter we need one of those because here where we are in Maryland, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, there's tons of cherry trees. And of course, people all come out to look at the cherry blossoms. They're so beautiful, especially downtown D.C. Every year, Chrissy, I think we should go. And then every year, I just think I can't deal with that traffic yeah. and where would we park. Yeah. And luckily for us, they line the streets, you know, <laughs> around where we live. So I feel like we get the benefit of them. I I do think that that your magnolia tree, though, also had blossomed early because I feel like I was seeing all those pink pictures, didn't it? Your saucer um, magnolia. I'm look. I'm looking out the window. I mean, the little buds have started to open. They're a little browned though because we have had cold oh. lately. But I'm hoping that if they op- once they open all the way and it stays warm, maybe they'll still be looking good. I, I don't know. My expectations are low because last year we didn't have magnolia blossoms at all because it was such a warm winter. They started opening up. They were getting open and then like mega cold Arctic blast came blowing oh, through. And so they all so just sad. fell off. It's very that's sad. so <laughs> sad. Friends, you're probably wondering why are they rambling about their trees or maybe this <laughs> just feels perfectly on brand for us to just ramble mm, about yeah. trees. Uh, yeah, sure. What's, what's not normal though is the online shopping for trees and This is going to be a little moment where we invite you behind the scenes since you are our friends here on the podcast and talk a little bit about what you probably notice every week is that we have ad spots that pop up on the show. Don't worry, this is not a promo now. (laughs) But what was interesting for us is we had a new advertiser reach out to us and they are an online site that sells trees that you can shop for. And so we were looking at it last night and just so intrigued by the whole process. It made me do something I would never do, which is online tree shopping. Like, and you will, <laughs> you'll hear that ad in the future. Um, but it made us chuckle because as I was saying to Christy, we should, I want to talk about trees today because that site made me think about it. And then we thought, well, do we talk about our advertisers? Is that a weird thing? <laughs> and then we thought, no, it's not. You hear the ads every week. Maybe you wonder sometimes about them. And so we thought we'd just like sit you down like my husband did with our children last night. And we had sort of a family budget meeting, <laughs> which is what he does sometimes with illustrations and Sharpies. And I was really proud because my 12-year-old, she just turned 12, kept saying, oh, like Dave Ramsey teaches or, oh, <laughs> because you were saving or, oh, because of the emergency fund. <laughs> like I was quite impressed. Wow. She's it, learned some things. I know. Their school has like a, I think they call it a money wise class, which I wish oh, I wow. had that at school. I think it would have been yeah. really helpful. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I don't even remember, Lisa Joe, how long ago it was that we made the switch to adding in advertisers. You know, before that, we had tried just some more homegrown. Like we've always had something, but sometimes it was more homegrown or um, we, you know, focused on, I, I can't remember 
it used to be more we would have publishers would have maybe some ads that feels like right, way back um, yeah yeah but we did make that switch you know so it's it's interesting to think about why why we have that because it's maybe not for the obvious reason I think if I were just listening to the podcast and hearing ads um, I would assume oh this is their job and this is how they get their income you know they offer the podcasts and then their sort of salary comes from the ad revenue and it would seem very straightforward and um, in our world, <laughs> there's no salary coming <laughs> from the ad revenue, but what the ads do for us is they pay the costs of podcasting. So I don't think we've ever really talked about this part either, but there are, um, it's not free to put a podcast out there. And um, depending on how self-sufficient you are in terms of podcasting skills, like, do you know how to edit sound and et cetera, et cetera, um, you might need some professionals to help you do those things. And so if we didn't have ads, we would be paying Quite a bit, actually, right. <laughs> for the privilege of coming to you with this podcast. Right. Um, and yeah. so the ads are kind of like, I think of them like pocket money. Like they help pay for the hobby we have, which is podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby. <laughs> yes. I mean, we kind of hobby Lisa podcast. Joe, can, I, can I just say, I feel like my whole working life is a hobby. <laughs> I don't feel I was, that way. I was I just know. having a conversation with someone yesterday. I don't even remember why, but about publishing. And I just had to share honestly, like, like, look, friend, I don't really m- make a salary from from publishing books, and most many writers don't. Um, so just because you know you see a book in a bookstore doesn't mean that that's their full time. You know that that's right. able to provide a, an income to support their family, etc. So it just makes me feel today like, is there anything I do that, that isn't a hobby? <laughs> Maybe not. I know. Well, it's a hobby we're committed to. We're like five years yeah. in. We have to show up every week and come up with ideas, but. I think it sometimes is just helpful for the listener to know that we want to bring this to you consistently and of good quality. And so that means we want to do it well. But at the same time, like podcasting is not our full time business. So you might listen to other podcasts and uh, they also have ads. But those are folks who are professional podcasters. I'm sure their ads generate much more revenue than ours do. Uh, But it's it used to some days discourage me, I would think to Christy, like, huh, how come we can't like make more of a living from our podcast? And she would say, but do you want this to be your job? Like, do you want to be a podcaster? And I realized in that moment, this is such a freedom. I love that Christy and I get to chat. I love that we connect with listeners. It's always really powerful for us just personally from what we learn from our conversations. But at the same time, this hasn't been the thing we are called to do professionally speaking. So at the same time, we do have ads because we have expenses associated with the podcast and I'd prefer not to pay for those out of out of pocket, out of right. the budget that I just explained to my children last night. So ads, ads, and then trees like these uh, are a great way because sometimes we'll have advertisers and the, you know, the, the real bonus for Christy and I is when they're like, and now we'd like you to try our free tree service. And then we are very, very excited. It's a little hobby bonus for us when we get, we get to get some kind of fun trial from an advertiser. And the fun of being sort of a hobby podcast is we can be pretty discerning about who we choose to partner with. So the product speakers talk about usually are things we use in our own lives. We actually mm-hmm. enjoy mm-hmm. them. We like those partnerships. We care about them. And we think it's something that you'll like too. But we just thought it might be fun to do a little detour here to explain what you've 
heard in your earbuds if you ever wonder, why is there another ad? Uh, it's because we love you and we want to provide this podcast to you. <laughs> that is right. And then occasionally these little perks come along. Like last night, you and I and Peter Baker <laughs> yes. were tree shopping. And that is so much fun because it's like... Looking out at the March sadness and imagining something better, imagining something growing and living and bringing beauty. And um, yeah, I can't think of anything better. And it really is incredible. One thing I've learned here at Maplehurst, Lisa Joe, is that on the one hand, we can feel as if trees go, grow so slowly. And, you know, even if you buy a substantial tree, like, hey, it's five feet tall. Um, once you stick it in the ground, it looks like a stick that you can barely see. I mean, it always will. It just will look like the saddest little stick. And uh, and so it can be hard to keep going because, uh, I don't know, it can just feel like, really? <laughs> like, that was expensive. That was an expensive little stick. And now, you know, it hardly made a difference. But the thing I've learned here is that um, the change, the growth happens so much more quickly than you realize. And you plant a tree and you kind of forget about it. Well, for, you don't totally forget about it because you water it the first year and then you kind of forget about it. And um, before you know it, you're walking up to it and saying, oh my goodness, I feel like this tree is twice as big now. It was five feet and now it's 10 feet. And um, and then in a couple years, you've got something really substantial and you take a picture of your kid next to it and say, remember when we planted that? Um, so even if the tiny little stick tree feels super expensive and hardly worth it, I have learned here that that it is worth it. I was going to say, it's funny that this advertiser who is not paying for any of this this week for us to talk right. about it, but they're called fastgrowingtrees.com. And right. it must, it's like a brilliant, like felt need they're touching on. Everyone yes. wants their tree to grow the fastest. Like, give me a fast growing exactly. tree, man. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, as I was searching the site and they had great selection, lots of good trees. Good sales, I, was, I will say. I was surprised yeah. that you could get a tree for cheaper than I, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking as I look through, like, are, have they chosen particular varieties that are fast? And I realized, like, no, I think they've just chosen good, you know, good, good trees to plant around our homes. And the truth is, like, most trees are fast growing. I mean, even an old oak tree, um, it's not going to become, you know, 70 feet overnight, but they're, they're like kids. They're, they're putting on height every year. So I feel like the name is true. Um, even if what they're offering us are just trees, trees, but trees are fast growing. So yeah, it's good to get that they remind us of that. Yeah. You know, Lisa, I used to live in Northern Virginia amongst the cherry blossoms. And I remember that was profound. It was, you know, I'd come from the South where we didn't have cherry trees. Um, I'd come from a place where there wasn't that kind of strong line of demarcation between winter and spring. Um, our winters were a little bit more like your South African winters, <laughs> you know, um, sunny and mild and, you know, with occasional we would get occasional cold fronts. Um, but moving to Northern Virginia, and, um, you know, this was more than 20, this is like 25 years ago now, um, John and I did venture out. You know, we didn't have kids yet. We ventured out to see the cherry blossoms around, um, I guess it's the Tidal Basin. Is that where they all are? Oh, my gosh. I just remember um, being so moved by that because the one 
real benefit of living in a place with real winter and dealing with the March sadness is that when spring comes, it just explodes. It comes everywhere in this. It's not gradual. It's this sudden, whoa. Um, and I'd never experienced anything like mm. that. That's That was my feeling just moving to America in general, having grown up in South Africa. There isn't a real demarcation in the same way where you experience spring like just a rebirth. I feel like I get high here when spring yeah. comes. Like I am psychotic about it. But I will say the one tree that will always mark spring in South Africa, and spring for us comes really like the powerful heart of spring is October, which is, of course, here fall. Um, but but then in the Southern Hemisphere, it's October. And our, like October is the month that jacaranda trees blossom in South Africa. And, you know, they have those in California. They have them in Australia. And I know this because people send me pictures whenever they <laughs> blossom because I've talked enough about this tree online. But uh, the, the city that I'm from is one of the capital cities of Pretoria, which I know sounds odd to say, but we have three different designated capitals. Um, but Pretoria is known as the Jacaranda City because the streets are literally lined with jacaranda trees. So in October, if you take aerial photographs of the city, so if somebody just Googles like Jacaranda City, Pretoria, these aerial pictures show the entire city almost turns purple. It's astonishing because the blooms are so lush and lavish. They're purple. They look like little trumpets almost. They're so beautiful. It's quite a big, thick, fat uh, blossom. And they are these rich shades of like lilac and purple. And it's sort of royal vibes, you know. And my dad... <laughs> for years has had this jacaranda tree that's planted at the top of the driveway right outside of his house. But his house is up built. This architect did such an interesting thing. It's built up literally into the side of a small hill, like a little mini mountain that's very rocky up at the top. So the house is kind of built in levels up into the rocks. And so there's this incredibly steep, steep driveway with this very tiny area to park that's incredibly stressful to try and turn a car around. Or <laughs> if you're going up the driveway, you must commit and go all the way because there's no stopping <laughs> Don't halfway. Don't change your mind. <laughs> yeah. So like when I was just like 18, 20, you know, new with a car, it was always very stressful. Sometimes I'd just park at the bottom and walk up because I was too scared. <laughs> the worst is if you like start up the driveway and then somebody else is coming down oh. at the same time. And then you have to let the person coming down go and you have to like back down and anyway it's hard but there's this tree this jacaranda tree that sits on this tiny little patch of grass right in front of the front door and I have such memories of it I remember Jackson who was born in South Africa he will turn 18 this year but he took his very first steps under that tree uh, funnily enough, he wasn't, he was true, like South African style. He had like no diaper on. He was like, it was warm <laughs> and beautiful and he was taking first steps. And then we didn't realize he was going to take first steps. So we had all these pictures of him like naked. Oh, no. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we need to recreate the scene, quickly put a diaper on him and let him take steps again <laughs> because I want this in the baby album. Uh, but I have always thought of that tree as a symbol of home. And I think maybe that's the power of trees because they're so big. They act like an anchor. They anchor us to place and to time and to memories. And so I have so many memories of coming home to that tree, like coming home at two in the morning after I've been out in my season of going clubbing and dancing. You know, in my 20s, I would come home and the tree would 
be a silhouette against the sky. And I remembered on Sunday mornings when we were rushing out to church, and I remembered on days when my dad was angry and yelling at me, and I would want to be under that tree. And I remember it when we leave home to come back to the States. I always crane my neck back around in the car as it goes down the driveway. And then the purple is the last thing I see. And the truth is, for years, the last few years when we've gone home, it's either been an American summer, so June, or South African summer, which is December. So we've missed October. I haven't actually been home for the tree to be in bloom for, I don't know, like a decade. But when I went home a year ago and my brothers were sick, it was in October. And (laughs) I cannot describe to you how I almost experienced the blossoming of that tree in my body, like a visceral thing. And the tree is so tall that my dad's house, because it's built kind of into the steps of the mountain, has three stories. And it has these big glass windows that open out directly to the tree. So at every level of the house, there's purple. And you have like the purple branches almost reaching out and touching the house. And the wind blows and you just see this like majestic tree. It feels like it's dancing in the wind with its purple blossoms. It's so beautiful. And there's just... I'll never not feel homesick when I think of that tree. And the funny thing is, it's impractical. The tree drops so many blossoms that on the one hand, it looks like this glorious royal carpet, like someone has rolled out, not a red carpet for you, but like a purple carpet for you. But I will tell you, trying to drive a very steep driveway with a layer of slippery petals is quite treacherous. And cars have been known to lose grip and start slipping backwards down the driveway. <laughs> also, the the petals, the little trumpets are filled with that sticky um nectar. And so bees are obsessed with the jacaranda tree. So you'll have like this layer of purple carpet and then on top of it, a layer of bees just hovering, oh drinking. <laughs> so if you walk outside, you will definitely get stung if you walk across the petals barefoot. So every year, my father is tempted to take that tree down every year. And when I was home in December, he said, you know, I had someone come look at the tree, was thinking about cutting the tree. And then I just thought, I can't do it. It's Lisa Joe's tree. And they all think of that. So when it blossoms now, they send me videos of the tree, videos from the second and third floor. Look, your tree is saying, hello, Lisa Joe. Hello. Hello. I don't know. It's strange to be so attached to a tree from so far away. I don't know that there's, I don't know what the deeper meaning is, but I always think of you as the tree whisperer, Christy, that can explain to us, like, why do trees do that to us? Why do they anchor us in that way? Yeah. Ooh, they do anchor us. I feel like in some sense, like your family now can't cut down that tree because it it's like the presence of Lisa Joe. Yes. It's like their daughter, yes. their sister. <laughs> I know. I've done that to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. No, it's true. I feel like nothing, yeah, trees, they make places like nothing else, right? So, you know, when you do have to take down a tree because it's, you know, old or diseased or injured or something, um, like that moment when something was there and then something isn't there, it is like this great emptiness, wound almost, like things are so open, it changes everything. Um, You know, I think maybe also, Lisa Joe, it's because most trees live so much longer than we do. And I think there's something about a tree that is more anchored than we are. You know, they, they're, their lives are longer and they're more substantial. They're taller than us. And 
it might be easy to think, well, that doesn't matter. But I think it does. I think somewhere deep down, we we recognize that these um, that trees are alive in some sense, and that they they're going to witness more of the life of this earth than we are, and that kind of puts our our own fragility and our own short lifespans in perspective. I mean, it's almost as if God knew we would need that. Like we would need that that reminder that we're we're not actually um, maybe the greatest thing marching around. We're the most loved, you know. We're beloved by God in a special way, but we're pretty small creatures when you think about what else He's created, from mountains to trees. Um, and so, yeah, I think trees are something that we need in that way because we're responsible for them often, and yet they're stronger than we are, bigger than we are, longer lived than we are. And I don't know, there's something in that tension that is maybe, maybe can be a source of wisdom for us. Um, yeah. It is interesting yeah. that trees are mentioned by name in the garden, in the Bible. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There are not a lot of plants that are mentioned by name, but there was a tree in the garden in the beginning, and we know there'll be a tree in the city at the end. Yeah. And I guess I yeah. hadn't thought about that till this moment, that trees are identified in this unique way. And of course, they're used as metaphors, like a you know, man planted a man is like a tree planted by streams of water. Like there are just all these imagery that have to do with trees throughout scripture, they do sort of feel like an on-land leviathan, like this idea that their roots go down so deep and their skin has aged and weathered and actually marks the growth, the years in their rings. There's something about their permanence that does dwarf. Like people are compared to grass that is here today and gone tomorrow. Right. <laughs> like, not trees. Literally what God compares <laughs> us to, not trees. <laughs> yeah, right. It's yeah, I think that's the wisdom <laughs> that we're meant to hold on to. We are not like the trees. We are like the grass. We are like the flowers that are here today, gone tomorrow. Um, and yet, I mean, the crazy cool thing is, is even though we are in some sense less than, you know, smaller than, weaker than, um, we are the ones who set up things like fastgrowingtrees.com and we're the ones who, you know, might gather some acorns with our kids and figure out how to germinate them so we can have an oak tree in the yard. Like we are actually invited to participate in the life of trees, which is a participation in God's creation in ways that are really meaningful. And sometimes for me, that's painful because Lisa Joe, I have planted so many trees here at Maplehurst that have died or been eaten by deer or, um, I mean, you name it, it's happened. And it, it feels every time like real personal failure. <laughs> <laughs> but John and I, this, in the past few years, we've befriended this really amazing guy um, I'll just, I think it's okay if I just name him. His name is Don Eaton. He's amazing. But he owns a company called Bauer and Branch, um, which I highly recommend is another source for, you know, online tree shopping. It, depending on where you live, they're not all across the country like fast growing trees, but they are um, growing. So they're here in the Northeast where I live in mid-Atlantic and maybe moving into the Midwest. Um, but this man, Don, he's been a tree farmer his whole life, um, meaning like he owned a, a nursery, owned a f land where they grew trees, you know, for sale. Um, but, uh, but he's also a believer, a Christian. And at one point in his life, he just felt a real burden 
to help connect tree growers with one another in order to sell what they were growing online, which seems so counterintuitive. Like, how do you sell trees over the internet? And I think he did get a lot of pushback initially. But now we see like, you know, multiple um, companies are doing that. And, you know, it is possible. But getting to know Don has been so good for me because on the one hand, he's all about trees, right? And for him, they are deeply connected to the God who made us and to our origins in a kind of paradise, Eden. And he really feels passionately that like we were made for gardens. We we're made for Eden. Like that, that's meant to be the setting of our lives. And whether we recognize it or not, in some sense, we're all longing for that. So he feels passionately about helping people plant around their homes, right? Um, but at the same time, I think I expressed to him once um, my sadness over all the trees I had killed. And he just set me free because he said, oh, it's just a tree. You can grow another, like get oh, another one. Wow, <laughs> like there's always, we can always grow more trees. Like there are more seeds and, you know. And on the one hand, I feel as if some trees, like venerable age trees are irreplaceable, right? Like yeah, my like magnolia. Th- yeah, it's like a person now. It is irreplaceable. On the other hand, I have another, on the other side of our driveway from the big saucer magnolia, I have a small saucer magnolia that I planted probably like seven or eight years ago now. And it's a substantial little tree now. And I feel so good when I see it because I know, hey, even when the the big old magnolia comes to the end of its life, like I've planted this other magnolia that's gonna, you know, grow up to to take its place. So so in that sense, even with the special trees, like he's right. (laughs) And it was so good for me to hear. so freeing. Yeah, because I was letting it keep me from planting more trees. I was I was saying, well, I keep messing up. I'm spending money on trees and I'm going to all the trouble and then deer are eating them anyway. And he was just encouraging me, well, just keep going, like plant more trees. And so I've really taken that to heart, know, knowing that I won't do it perfectly, knowing that trees will keep dying. I mean, I am getting better, like Jonathan and I are better at um, like putting some protective mesh or wire around them so the deer won't get them. Um you know, so we're learning and we're getting better, but you know, there's still going to be casualties. And he was just saying, like, let that go and just keep doing this good work. Like, this is a good work, planting trees, keep going. And I feel like, wow, that's for trees. And that's probably for a lot of things in our lives. Like, that, you know, just because something um, doesn't work 100% of the time, just because there's something that we feel like we haven't figured out, we can't do well, like, that's not reason to stop. Um, but sometimes we need that permission to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a tree. There are more seeds. Wow. <laughs> That's really powerful because I wouldn't think I am allowed to say that about something right. like a tree. Right. That's how I felt. But but the, he's a tree farmer. And so if he says wow. it, it must it be must true. Be. Well, I mean, <laughs> even beyond him, it's sort of what, what God's command is to humans to like have dominion over the earth, to yeah, steward yeah. the earth. Like that is the that is the command given to us. Like here it is. Like it's yours. Go be fruitful. Multiply. Mm-hmm. I, be good gardeners. <laughs> yes. I love that in our trees, in our lives, in our gardens, in our homes, in our minds. I was thinking um, you know, my husband, Peter, like you, loves gardens and trees and plants, but uh, he he's a person, though, that isn't so much outside 
as much as sometimes he's in his head, he's a thinker. And on days when I've wondered, like, oh, I wish he was like out in the yard, like, wish we were more handy, like all these things. Uh, I heard him say to one of our sons yesterday, he he had been out, he hadn't been at home, and he had had some downtime. And in my head, I have a running list always, right, of things I wish were getting done around the yard or the house. But I heard him say to our son, he had gone out to like a McDonald's and he was just sitting there reading. And I thought, like, what is he doing? And I heard him say that he was reading, he was describing with such joy to our son how he was sitting reading philosophy. And I thought to myself, that that's that's Peter. Like he grows things in his mind. Like he wants to spend time like with the trees of ideas. And I think I'm mentioning this because there'll be people listening who don't always relate to the idea of wanting to plant trees or be in their gardens, but yet you have places in your life where you're worried. What if I try this and it doesn't work or it dies and can I try it again? Or maybe something did die and you feel this sense of failure like Christy feels about her trees. But there was Pete who's changed jobs in the last few years, who does love trees, but man, he loves ideas and concepts. And it's not even for his work. It's just who he is. Like he needs to grow ideas. Like he needs to talk about them. He needs to read about them. He needs to sit in McDonald's and read about the forest of ideas and a lady came over and asked him what he was studying and he told her he was reading philosophy <laughs> and she said oh really and he said yeah I mean the world is so complicated these days isn't it don't you feel like we just need something to help us figure it out <laughs> and she said oh we sure do <laughs> I just thought, like what a beautiful that's moment great. you know like yeah. there's Peter like that's the kind of tree farm he's doing the space of ideas and I just think it's a wonderful gift to be reminded that for things to grow, some things have to die. There has to be space in our mind, in our lives, in our yards. And I, I before we had this conversation today, I said to Christy, I'm sure you've heard this expression, and of course she had. But every time I think about it, it helps me not just about trees, but there's this expression that says the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, but the second best time is today. And I have, I have tree friends like Christy who apply that literally to their yards. But in my life, it's helped me with things I've started late on. I think about the second career I just started at nearly 50. So at like 49, I started a new job that I love so much that feels like planting a new tree, you know? Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've thought that often, like I should have been doing this for a decade. Like what have I been doing with myself? Did I waste time? And But yet here it is, like this new thing growing that I didn't expect. So I guess I just wanted to remind our listeners that it is about trees, but also it's about whatever that thing is that you wish you had started growing a long time ago. Yeah, there's a wonderful um, quotation I remember from E.B. White. So you may remember that he wrote books like Charlotte's Charlotte's Web Web, and others, and his wife um, Catherine White, I think if I'm remembering her name, was a great gardener and would garden up at their home in Maine. She was also a garden writer. Um, so I've read books by her. But in the introduction to one of her books, um, I think reissued after she passed away, um, E.B. White, her husband, introduced it. And he, he described a memory of her very shortly before her death 
outside, um, like I think in a chair with like a paper plan on her lap. And what she was doing was directing her helpers to plant hundreds and hundreds of daffodils on their property. And so he, he remembered that image of her out there knowing that she wouldn't, that she wouldn't still be there in the spring but there she was in the the line i remember there she was calmly plotting the resurrection (laughs) and i love that i love that it it just means it's never too late it is never too late to plant the tree it's never too late to plant the daffodils for spring it's just never too late for growing good things in our lives and planting those seeds it is never too late I'm literally writing that down right now because that's maybe one of the most beautiful quotes I've ever heard, calmly plotting the resurrection. The resurrection. Because isn't that everything? (laughs) Yeah. All the things we think don't matter, somebody will reap the benefits of that. All the work we do with generational pain or hurt or trauma or trees or philosophy or writing (laughs) or new jobs, like all of it is resurrection, all of it. And next week we head into Holy Week. What a beautiful place to end on this idea that, I mean, ultimately that's what Jesus was doing. Like he always knew he was always planning and plotting the resurrection of all things, Mm -hmm. not just himself, but of all things and We know that there was a tree in the center of that story. Absolutely. Well, until next week, friends. (laughs) 